<laughs> and we are live, folks. <laughs> Welcome to the Tabletop Merchant Podcast. I am one of your hosts, David. I am joined by my favorite board gamer, my wife, Alyssa. Hello. How are you? I'm fabulous. You're fabulous. Well, we haven't done a podcast in a while, so we got to get shake the rust off and get to it, right? Yeah. We The last time we talked was before Thanksgiving, and now we're fully BT. in... BT. <laughs> yes, BT, before <laughs> Thanksgiving. Uh, and we are in full swing of Christmas. We've got the house decorated. We have Christmas stuff everywhere we've watched. Every day a new decoration goes up. Yeah, you know, Christmas movie marathon. So we are <laughs> in full swing. Uh, but before we talk about all the stuff we've been up to, we had the amazing opportunity uh, to do an interview with... <gasps> Mr. Cuddington. Yes. That you know, was a lot of fun. Yes. We had a chance to speak with uh, Lena Cosette and David Forrest. If you don't know, they make it a little confusing because Mr. Cuddington is there, as they call it. You'll find out the super artist, the uber artist. Which the, they are. Together. So yes. we're going to, let's just get right to that interview and we'll take you to it right now. So we are excited to be joined by the amazing board game illustrator, Mr. Cuddington, also known as Lena Cassette and David Forrest. They are the incredible husband and wife team behind some of the most beautiful artwork in board games. And you can find their amazing illustrations in such games as Charterstone, Grim Forest, Santorini, Funfair, Brass, Tidal Blades, Iridia, and many, many, many more. Lena and David, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi, thanks for having us. Of course. So we will certainly discuss Mr. Cunnington um, and your amazing artwork in board games. But given that you guys are a husband and wife team, as us, as we are as well, um, we wanted to talk a bit about how the two of you met. And it's our understanding that you both went to the same art school in Montreal. But is that where you two first met? Uh, well, uh, we both went to the same school, but I finished uh, in 2010, while you finished your your degree in 2009, right? Yeah, that's right. So we kind of met a little bit. We know of it. We knew of each other, but we didn't really like study in the same classroom. Yeah. The funny thing is, I don't think we ever even spoke. <laughs> While we were at the same school, we sort of met afterwards, uh, almost by accident. Yeah, because animation in Montreal is kind of a small circle, so people get to meet each other again after school. <laughs> mm -hmm. When school is done and everything is, you're, you're not now into the, the your industry. workshop and the industry. Yeah, yeah. but but through the uh, animation course, we each had to make a, sh a short film at the end of our three-year program. And I did get to see uh, Lena's short film and uh, I thought it was really cute and I went to talk to her. But I, I think at that time she had, she was like dating someone else. And so it didn't really get to anything. And we just sort of ended up meeting sometime later, like a year later or something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it worked out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're incredibly lucky that you two met. Now, speaking, I'd love to see Lena's short film because I know you both have worked on amazing projects following your time at Chazep de Vue, Montreal, um, including, I know, David, your focus on film culminated in the amazing animated short film Le Groof. I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, first off, it's it's incredible. And that's not just me saying it. It has 9 million views on YouTube alone, has received multiple awards. So can you talk a bit about the process of making that film, uh, including the creation of Lightning Boy Studio? Yeah, of course. Um, so This one was not done in school. It was done afterwards? Yeah, yeah. So I did a short film at school and then 
ended up working in video games and for maybe a year and a half, two years. And I was just missing that feeling of working on my own project that we all had experienced while uh, studying and doing our short film. And so um, I decided to team up with two of my, of my best friends uh, we went to the same animation school as I did, and we sort of started working on this crazy, huge project that ended up taking two years of our life. Um, and we applied for several grants, and we didn't get anything, and so it was all kind of uh, something out of our pocket. Yeah, um, and I think that was the first experience we ever had of a Kickstarter, right? Because you guys did a, a Kickstarter for the sound and music that that's true yeah that's that really was our first experience with kickstarter and the moment we decided to launch uh happened on the same day as kickstarter canada was launching um so we knew it was coming and we tried to like time it on the first day and we ended up being like project of the day on kickstarter canada on the first day of it launching so we got some very good coverage there and I think we we were asking for five thousand, and we ended up getting twenty five thousand. So we we're really happy, and we managed to like have more money to spend on on sound effects and music and stuff like that. Um, it it all went into production. I mean, we didn't really make much money out of it, but it was a really really cool experience and gave us a taste of working for ourselves. And it, in fact, it's really what uh, gave us Lena and I the sort of the the drive and the wanting to do our own stuff and like working from home, uh, have our own studio. And cause I, I didn't feel like going back to uh, working for someone else at some like bigger studio. We wanted to continue doing this, but this time make some money. So that's how, sort of how we decide to do freelance administration together. Yeah. That's all. That's amazing. Cause I, I like that y- your, your kind of entrepreneurship with lightning boy is what led to uh, the, the, the I guess confidence, so to speak, to to start Mr. Cuttington, and and you had mentioned um, that you both I think you both worked in the video game industry prior. Um, specifically, I I know you, David, you were a three D animator I think for Ubisoft, and Lena, you did artwork for a bunch of different studios like Side City Studios and Hypernim and Wooga. So my first question is, can you guys talk about a bit about some of the projects that you guys worked on when you were in the video game space? And then I know you said, you know, you didn't like working for another person, but what are, what are some of the things that you guys may miss about working on those types of projects versus board games? Hmm. Uh, well, when I worked uh, in this industry, it was mostly uh, games for cell phone games. How do you call it? Like a... Yeah. Oh, not really. Yeah. And I also did some um, illustrations for... Slot machine in Las Vegas and stuff like that. That's actually where we're from. We're from Las Vegas, so we appreciate the artwork you did on the slot (laughs) machines. Uh, You did quite work quite a bit on the what was it? Pearl Sparrow. It was a Facebook game, like uh, search things on the screen. It's what yeah. You had to search for stuff, and you had a certain amount of of time to do it. Um, I think that what I liked. was maybe the social gathering that occurred when you have <laughs> other people working with you. Uh, it's something that right now with like it's been two years two years that we are facing like COVID and stuff like that, and I kind of sometimes miss like seeing people. Mm-hmm. I didn't 
uh, I think I don't think that before that I was kind of missing that m- much of the industry because I felt like we had the perfect marriage of just on the weekend we saw people and during the week we worked on in our pajamas and it was very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, right now I would say that the thing I miss the most is maybe just hanging out with friends and having uh, just a coffee midday and speaking with somebody. Yeah, yeah. For me, I think it was uh, well when I worked at Ubisoft, it was uh, almost my first job, and what I really liked is just being with so many other people that knew so much more than me because I was just really a junior back then out of school and. All these people were had been working maybe for five, six years, sometimes ten years. So anytime I had a question, I could just swoop over their desk and ask anything I wanted. And Ubisoft is a pretty big place too, so there were many resources I could just like rent any kind of book I wanted about. Like, oh, like um, I think a book I really enjoyed was uh, Drawn to Life. Drawn to Life by um, like it was a book about the, uh, the original Disney animators and the, like the live drawing courses they were doing and so there were all these books i could uh, have easy access to um, i mean having a ubisoft uh job just coming out of school is pretty amazing <laughs> so... i guess i couldn't have done the short film if it wasn't because i had worked for a couple of years and made some money to put aside right so yeah. it was still nice to um not have that stress um of being just totally self-employed. <laughs> so, all right. So let's discuss your creation of Mr. Cuddington. You guys, so we know you guys both had your day jobs, um, but you found a lot of enjoyment when you were at home illustrating when you guys were side by side. So in 2013, that's when you guys decided to create your own art studio. So first off, can you talk about how you came up with the name? And second, was there a particular reason you decided to focus on illustrating for board games specifically? Yeah, well, uh, for the name, it was kind of a, <laughs> like, we watched, we were watching a, a show, do you remember the name? It was, uh, my name is Earl. Yeah, and it was in the credit at the end. <laughs> there was, was a Mr. Covington. Guy. Yeah, but the... <laughs> MrCovington.com was taken and we're like what can we change the name to so it sounds like similar but different yeah but the reason for just like calling us mr something was because we really wanted to feel like one artist working together we wanted to put both of our strengths uh together and do some kind of like super artist out of it um <laughs> instead of calling ourselves a studio because we didn't we, we knew we didn't want to grow and hire other people we just really wanted to be like almost one person but working together and um and i think our art merges well like it's it's really easy for me to just go over your pieces and vice versa so it's i don't know i don't think it's something that's very usual among artists and i, I think that's our strength somewhere yeah we we don't get very attached to anything we do we're always ready to just pass it over to the like let's say i do something and i ask clean what she thinks and if she just draws over it and it's totally different afterwards i don't like i don't care i'll I'll just if it's better in the in the final form well that's that's what's important 
That's so cool. I love I love that you the the collaborative effort that you you two have. And we actually had a chance to check out some of uh, Mr. Cuddington's early artwork, including uh, Bakaya and Commandant Dracus. Oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's old stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but I but I have a question about that old stuff. Uh, is it true that you both were working to develop like your own games in order to showcase your artwork to publishers? And if that's true, is there any chance we can see Commandant Dracus in the future? Because I don't. I don't know if Mr. Cuddington has done like a full-on space-themed game. So, yeah, that's true. We've never done a space game. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> we were kind of wanting to do a game to showcase our art, but it's it was kind of a very backward way to to build a portfolio because it's very very difficult and completely another job to design a game. And we realized that while doing it. <laughs> so we tried to design it. And it just, it was taking so much time. We we're like, why are we even doing this? Like, we're just, we'll just pretend that we designed it we and, and do the artwork for it. Because that's the part we really want to do. Yeah, because we had a bunch of little games in some kind of development, like one about stars and constellations, one about, uh, well, Bakaya kind of feels like Tileblade in a yeah, way. It, it's, it's funny when you think about it. Like, I had almost forgotten about that. And... When I think about it, it's like the. It's funny to think that the one game that we decided to invent, yeah, ended up being like this super very personal project we did later on. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's different, but you can still see like the color palette and just the overall tropical setting is is still there. It might just be because we're Canadian and we're craving the sun. Something. There you go. <laughs> so, um, so jumping back, I know you've already kind of mentioned the Kickstarter for Steampunk Rally and its success, and how that gave you guys the confidence to focus on board games full time. But we also wanted to discuss um, your earliest games, like Tag On, as well as Shim Phillips' card game Woodlands, which um, is one of my favorite artworks of board games. Oh wow, that's cute! Cool. I love it. I love that board game. Were you guys, so how did that all come about? And were you guys simply contacted because of your posts on Board Game Geek? I think that, yeah. yeah. I, it's hard to remember. It's been so long I, ago, but. I know we had posted in the art design or something on BGG. And that's how we met some of our clients. Yeah, that's how we got most of our work. Because even when we had started working on a couple of games, it took a while before these games were out in the market and that somehow our name were in the box on the boxes and people were contacting us because they knew of the games. So uh, yeah, it, it was all through that like single thread on BGG that we got our early work. Yeah, because it took, it's like a snowball effect of when all the games that we have done are in the stores, then it, it gets easier to get work. But the starting places where we were at the start it was difficult to get like a lot of contracts so yeah Yeah. bgg was super useful for that but like when you think about it like one of our first jobs was working on unfair yeah and we're working on that game for many years and at at that moment we're working with joel finch which is the the designer but at that time the game was just a prototype it wasn't even attached to any publisher he was trying to like Pitch get it. a publisher to be interested so we were doing all the some initial card ui designs and many of those things ended up changing 
uh, throughout the years. But uh, we we worked a lot more with people that uh, sort of had a dream and wanted to do their games, but were not publishers at that time. Yeah, which was a different feel, but also very. I thought it was really cool. Like we met some people that I'd almost consider friends. If if it's not because like we never really met them, but we <laughs> we talk with them every day by email, and it felt really personal, um, at least to me. Yeah. And to be there to help them just achieve that dream of of doing a board game it was it was a nice feeling. Yeah. And and that's I I love the fact that you guys had a chance to work with you know designers um, kind of directly, but but I know you also had a chance to work with some publishers. And speaking of kind of I, I don't I don't know if you want to call it your big break, but Steampunk Rally um, comes out on Kickstarter has this huge success. It's fully funded within a week. It finishes one hundred seventy seven percent to its original goal. So can you guys talk a bit about kind of what you both were feeling at that moment when you see this incredible outpouring of, you know, praise and excitement for this game that you guys are involved in? Yeah, I mean, we were like, let's buy a house. Like, let's get out, of, <laughs> let's get out of Montreal and we can live out of this. That's not, not that we were getting rich out of this Kickstarter. I mean, we were not even running it, but it's just a feeling that we we're can- going to get more work because this game has been noticed. I'm sure other people will contact us so we can get out of the city and move out on the countryside. We're sort of feeling just confident that... uh... It would be okay. And it's honestly just way easier to get a house on the countryside than in Montreal, so... Yeah, our only worry was really just, can we have constant work? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was difficult at first when there was no published work, but... This game really gave us exposure, and I mean, just just working with Gavin Brown too from Roxley Games. I we I mean, he's an amazing person, and he really wanted to make uh, a special relationship with us too, and he wanted us to work on other games that were coming up. So it just felt like we we would have this steady uh, income. income that we needed to um, not not have this little stress in the back of our minds that we would have to go back to video games at some point because board games. Uh, wouldn't work out right and so so that that's so following the success of of steampunk rally like you guys have talked about you continue to work with with gavin brown at roxley games specifically the incredibly whimsical artwork of santorini now we know that you worked with gordon hamilton the designer of that game on a you did artwork on a card game of his called 12 days of christmas previously so how did that how did santorini come together was that gavin brown from roxley recommending you guys or was that from the designer side of things uh i think that gavin knew of gordon hamilton because of 12 days of christmas because uh gavin was also involved in hiring us for 12 days of christmas in my yeah the way i remember it is at that time gavin was not even working full-time on roxley he still had a job i think he was doing freelance himself like doing graphic design and stuff so I think that's the job he was hired to do, and he did. He needed art for it because it's uh, is it the Griffin Eagle, Eagle Griffin? Eagle Griffin. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think he was hired by them, and then he hired us to uh, do the art. Am I? I think that's what happened, yeah. and I think that might be how he met Gordon. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what's yeah. Yeah, that I. My, it's funny because we played this weekend, and we hadn't played in years. <laughs> I was oh, Santorini? 
Uh, no, uh, 12 of Christmas. days of Christmas with our daughter. She just became of age that she can start to play cards with us. So it's and she won. Yeah, she like did. straight up won. We didn't. <laughs> she's seven years old, and I didn't give her any chance. I was like, I'm gonna win this, and she's that's still awesome. There. Was her first time playing. That's so cool. That's great that you guys now are able to experience all the games that you did. Well, the, at least the the kids' games that you guys did artwork for the family games. That's that's super cool. Oh, so after Santorini, you guys, Mr. Cunnington just has an explosion of amazing games following those two years, um, including Kung Fu Zoo, Tavarua, Blend Off, The Great Dinosaur Rush, uh, what's that? Barnyard Roundup, Unfair, Char- just on and on. Um, so for, first off, given it's just the two of you, how in the world did you manage to accomplish all of that? And then secondly... Let's say that given the varied styles of those games, do you try to just focus on one project and then completely finish it? Or does it help to kind of jump back, jump back and forth on the projects? Uh, when we started out, we had sm- a bit smaller projects like Santorini was a big game for us at the time. But right now, Santorini seems like a smaller game. <laughs> so uh- Santorini was illustrated almost over a year or two if i remember yeah because there was a small break at some point before kickstarter Mm. and we had some time off but yeah i think that when we started out we were more juggling with multiple projects at a time and right now we're more trying to figure out a way to just not have too many projects going on at the same time just because it's it's hard to, to split your mind into all those different art styles because we do often different art styles and it it can get a bit difficult to just mm-hmm. be in different mindset from day to day. Yeah. Um, when we started out, I remember the feeling of just being, oh, cool, we're going to do Great Dinosaur Rush for the next three months, finish it. And we didn't really know what we were going to do next, but then... Sometime during the time working on the game, someone would contact us. We'd just say yes immediately. Sure, we can start in like a month. And then we'd do that other project. But at some point, we started getting known and things would start to pile up. People would contact us and sometimes we'd have to say no. Or we'd say, yeah, sure, we'll do it. But in six months. And uh, it ended up being a bit tricky because sometimes... Uh, things get delayed and then you say yes to someone (laughs) then you feel bad because six months later you're just still working on the game you thought would be finished and uh yeah eventually we decided to slow down a bit and just not plan things out too much in advance and just finish which is kind of frustrating sometimes because we receive some cool emails and we're just like wow so this game looks so fun but if I'm honest, I don't know when my work here is going to be done, so I cannot like uh, decide that I'm going to do it. People often ask if we're available like next year, and I'm just like, I don't even I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to be happening then, so it's it's kind of getting more difficult. Yeah, we also have like young children, and I don't know if it's because we're just getting exhausted of. Like the lack of sleep of the early years and then just like, it's kind of yeah. not exhausting, but it's like takes a toll on yourself to just write, raise kids. And we we don't feel like working weekends and every every think, evening there, anymore. There used to be a time where sleep was kind of optional and I would be able to work <laughs> the next day. And right now, if I don't sleep, I'm just 
it's it's just a bad idea. I don't get more efficient on the next day. I'm just mm-hmm. half as good, so I just better get some sleep. Yeah. Uh, we can we can relate to oh, that for sure. We have a four year old, so we can definitely relate. Now, I I did have a question about kind of the the process itself. So after you are hired as the illustrator for a board game, do you guys do you start with like a box cover or what the box cover will be, or do you do you like or does like a you make various pieces and those get selected by the publisher to be the box art, or do you guys? I know you talked about um, sometimes you get like a prototype of a game before you start putting together artwork for cards or tiles. Or is there been times where someone will come to you and say, I need X amount of unique pieces, and, and then they end up kind of picking what goes where? Yeah, it's pretty much a mixed bag. I would say that like my favorite approach is to have everything sketched out before we clean anything up so that everything is consistent with one another. But that's not always possible. And sometimes just some publisher will have some work done with one artist and other with others and other stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, that might vary. And there are publishers who have a very clear list of what they need and very clear description where others are just like, I need 50 cards about fables and <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> it's very different from game to game. Yeah. What's maybe unusual about the way we work is we often do graphic design on top of illustration. So we don't really like just being given a list of illustration and not know how they will fit together in the game. We we like to work on card design at the same time as some illustration. And just we like to be able to put all our sketches, uh, almost like preview it on the table and see what's the overall color palette, how things fit together. And the box cover itself, I'd say, would come uh, as far as possible in the process. At least that's what we like. But the publisher are often like eager to show the box cover. So it's something that we <laughs> we always... It's, it's mostly the thing that we, we would prefer to do last, but it's often the things that publisher want to show first. Mm-hmm. So it's... Uh, End up, we end up doing a middle ground most of the time. Yeah, because because we um, we have tried different art styles with many of our games. It's it's nice to uh, get more experience drawing those styles while doing the the cards. Like I, I don't want to see the less important stuff, but obviously the box cover is the first thing you're gonna see. So it's nice that you had time to master that style before you do the actual cover, um, which is why we like to wait a bit before doing it. Just be sure of what the established style is because if you have to just redo a card it's just a day of work but with if you have to redo a cover to change the art style is more like a week or two so but there there are some games i remember we worked on where we would do a sketch for the cover and then leave it aside for two or three months continue working on some other stuff and then we look at it again with the publisher and we're like ah maybe we should change the direction Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a better idea in the meantime, and so uh, I like not having to rush it because I really feel like that's the thing that's going to grab people's attention uh, on BGG or in stores or yeah. So definitely, it's, it was very important. So, so David, given your background um, in three D animation, and then coupled with several of the game, Mr. Cunnington's games featuring miniatures. Did you work or contribute on any of those sculpts by chance um, on any of those miniatures in the games? Or is that something that's completely an entirely different skill set? 
Uh, I did. I did not on all of them. Uh, you I did all the little house in Centurini and uh, also for Grim Forest. Yeah, Centurini was the first one I started. So I first thing I sculpted was the small like characters that you move around in Centurini. I did the yeah. I did the first uh, pass on the buildings. I know they changed them up a bit because at that time I had no idea how things were molded, and so there were like too many details that they couldn't easily pull out of a of a mold in a single direction and so that's kind of that's, that's the sort of stuff i ended up learning uh while doing it so i know they had to do redo some of the designs i did but the cliff is uh of centurini that one i sculpted uh as you said all the the little houses in, in grim, grim forest, forest. But not the characters yeah this time. just the houses that you can like piece together the roof uh, middle parts and the floors um what else? I think I did uh, in in Tarot Blades. I did the special dice tray arena uh, for the deluxe edition. But uh, but I have less and less time these days to to sculpt. <laughs> so I tend to leave that to uh, other the, more experienced yeah, people. The thing that they don't know does... how. What? I said I don't know. I don't. I don't know where all your time is going. <laughs> you guys are busy. Yeah. Because David is also like a YouTuber, so he's just he's doing tutorials for three D animation, three uh, D rendering. So that's that takes a chunk of time too, because he he does a channel for uh, Lightning Boy Studios. Yeah, because I still have some like side projects with Lightning Boy Studio. We're trying to um, pitch an idea for a TV show. So uh, right now we were we decided to build a YouTube channel to get people um, to just know the project. And we also uh, wanted to learn Blender, which is like a free 3D program. And we realized that a lot of people on the internet want to learn Blender too. So we started doing tutorials, well, mostly me, uh, <laughs> to show how to uh, to work in Blender. And uh, so when we started building our, like, our characters in 3D for the TV show, um, we did tutorials to show how we did it, and it. I mean, I, I'm still doing it. I can't do like as many tutorials as someone that's a full time YouTuber, but I still do a tutorial once in a while. It's fun. I, I, I for one, I appreciate the fact that not only are you. First of all, we're going to talk about Lightning Boy Studio and Dinomancers. We're getting there. You, we're going to talk about it. So, I appreciate the fact that not only are you, you Lightning Boy Studio, you guys are creating this amazing world, but you're actually creating the tools so other creative people can take the tune shader or the iRig and, and use it in a way for their own creative endeavors. It's incredible. So I, I did have a question because we talked about Serini or Santorini and we're, we're talking about Dinomancers and we're big, huge fans of Easter eggs and all medium. So when we were watching the, the Dinomancer animation test video, we, we couldn't help notice that the buildings in Castle are pure white with blue roofs. Any chance that's a nod to Santorini? Oh my god! I, I hadn't realized. I think it was now. subconscious here. <laughs> yeah, it must be subconscious. That's so cool. And also, I was going to ask, because I, I, again, it, I, if you guys have any other Easter eggs, feel free to tell us. But I couldn't help but also notice one of the main characters, Cooper's uh, blue armored helmet. That's that looks like a blue dome from Santorini to me. But maybe that's just me. <laughs> that's definitely subconscious now. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> Santorini that sneaked into that. Yeah, Dinomancer's world. That's funny. <laughs> I I just I love the fact that you you and I if if it's totally subconscious I think it's cool that you can see like your guys' style kind of 
and, and of course your games and then of kind of moving into the lightning boy studio but we also you guys brought up title blades and i wanted to ask you not only are you guys credited with the artwork in that but also you're also credited with world building excuse me world building so what was um what was one of the most exciting parts in, in building the city of naviri and what challenges did you guys face as part of its creation if any well I think the most exciting was just James Hudson telling us, like, I want to work with you guys. What what do you want to do? And we just had a, a couple of weeks to figure out the things that we wanted to draw. And then we pitched that to him. And he figured out a way to just pair us with Tim and Ben. for Between we had uh, done uh, Grim Forest. Yeah, and they they have done like all the mechanics of the game in that universe. So I think one of the most fun we've had was maybe just doing research because we've decided that we wanted that setting, but we didn't know much about any of it. So we, we took the opportunity to just learn about so many stuff. I remember David watching some survivalist t- tutorials online for how to make a forge out of something or how to forge crystals. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because we were talking, we are trying to uh, think about all the resources in the very, and I mean, all this stuff is not even in the game. It was just like us world building everything around it. So it, it made sense. But I was watching videos of a guy in the woods that's trying to recreate all the steps of technology of civilization, but by himself. So he sort of, like start gathering little things and he builds himself a little uh, forge and managed to have coal so he have higher temperatures and he can like you know so he did all that by himself (laughs) and he's almost like naked in the woods and i learned all (laughs) kinds of stuff about how how things work i mean how does coal work how does how how do you make metal when you world build you just you you kind of want to understand how how the current world kind of works so that you don't make too many Dumb mistakes. I mean, it's a fantasy world, but it's fun if we can add a little pinch of something that just makes sense. Yeah, because small details, but in many, many fantasy worlds, they will, they will have like glass weapons. And, and so we were reading about glass weapons and why are, are, are glass weapons efficient? And people were like, they're yeah, not. they cut, but they're brittle and they'll all break immediately. And so we're like, hmm. So maybe it's not a good idea, but then we sort of find, found a way in our world to have uh, glass weapons work through uh, some kind of... Um, Coating them with this, a substance that a weird animal does, and it makes them and, unbreakable. And use them with sort of a time stasis, and so they cannot break. And we also have this translucent metal that looks like glass, and they, they do call it glass, but it's actually metal, so it can be like forged and, you know, stuff like that, just so that we don't write something, and anybody that knows more about it than us will, will be like, well, that's impossible. Why did you write that? <laughs> so we are uber excited to learn more about um, Tidal Blades Rise of the Unfolders, as well as the new RPG um, and Tidal Blades The Universe. So we know the Kickstarter has been delayed a little bit until February of 2022. Um, but what are you guys most excited for gamers to discover? And did you guys just have a blast continuing to build um, the world of Tidal Blades? Oh my God, so much. Like I always envisioned that there would be two games because when the first game finishes, 
uh, it's like the the beginning of the journey for our heroes because they're they, they just won a tournament and they just became tile blades before that they were just attempting to be one and right now they you know that the city is in dire need of heroes and you know what you've got to do so it's it's really fun to just fulfill and continue those stories and art that we've started in the first one yeah and it it really got bigger in scope than we envisioned uh, when we first thought about the game back. But because these, the first one and this one were both sort of the initial idea we had, we had at the same time. So when we pitched the idea to James, we were like, hey, we have this idea. And we thought it would be cool that the, continue, the story continues over two games. Um, so uh we had this idea for the second game but the story was a little simpler and we you were really essentially just going in the fold to um rescue the tall the tall blades trapped within but as we were designing this game the past year we decided to make it a bit bigger so now you can explore in a very and i stuff think that, like that also doing the rpg book just expanded the world so much because uh, we have an amazing writer uh, working on the book called Shana Germain, and she was just asking us so many questions. And when we did our internal Wikipedia for Tall Blades, we thought we had figured out everything. And then she came in and she, she read the whole thing and she was like, but w- what flies in Neveri? What's happening in the sky? And I'm just like, oh... <laughs> Okay. We don't have any and, flying creatures. <laughs> and she was like, do you have smaller critters or do you just have like huge monsters and no fauna? And I'm just like, okay, we got to figure out some stuff. And it was mm-hmm. really fun to just go do a deep dive on smaller creatures and other regions other than just the central city of Naviri. So it was was really cool to just have a year to do that during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> So we were we were really like just looking up so many amazing facts about the creature that just live in the ocean right now and inspire get inspired by that it was very fun. Oh, we're we're so excited to see the the world mm-hmm. that you guys have continued to build. Now I know another another game that you both have been working on for a number of years is Cody Miller's uh, newest game Iridia, which just finished its Kickstarter campaign and raised over $1.3 million. But can you guys talk a little bit about how your involvement as an illustrator either kind of changes or evolves after a Kickstarter campaign? Um, well, this game is a bit unusual for us because we started it uh, or working on it we about four years ago. Before Brass. I mean, Five years ago then. Yeah, because this game was in development for a long time, but it's it's totally understandable when you see the content that, there's so much content in this game, mm-hmm. so it it just kind of makes sense. And uh, Cody is pretty much of a one man band in the sense. I think he's co-designing it. Yeah, but, he has uh, another person working on it, but mm-hmm. it's very it's a very large project. Yeah. So it's been in the works for a long time. Yeah. So when we started working on it, we thought we would do everything like we usually do, but this ended up being so massive of a project and. In the meantime, we started working on Tile Blades, another thing that felt even more personal. And um, at some point, there was a, a hiatus in, in development. We, he, he had everything he needed for now and needed to do more from development. And when he came back, we were just too busy with our own projects to continue. So uh, we ended up not doing everything on it. I think we did most, if not all, of the items and all the, the 
enemies. Oh, so much fun. Yeah, the items were fun to do. We did the cover, but there are some key pieces of art and the and maps that we didn't do. But yeah, yeah, we did the portraits too. So there, there is a saying that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And you guys have talked about Mr. Cuttington kind of beginning because you both enjoyed illustrating side by side in your free time. But given that it's now your job and how incredibly busy both of you are, do you still find time to sketch or illustrate in your free time in order to unwind? Like, do you guys still, um, you know, like I said, sketch or illustrate? I mean, I wish I would do it more and I wish I could like find some time to squeeze in some studies and stuff that will always need improvement. Uh, We don't do as much as I would like, but I've kind of started to just go back to uh, paper and starting to learn watercolor recently, uh, which is very soothing (laughs) and very meditative uh, compared to just staring at a screen like all day and then all night. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it was a bit of a different thing. I like to sketch. Uh, David, a bit less paper and pen. Yeah, I mean... I I like to think of the idea of doing studies, but there's just so many hours in the day and there's a lot of stuff I like to do. It's like, I like to draw, but I also like to dabble in 3D and get up to date. And um, and since we started doing world building, we've, we've been writing a lot more. Yeah, and, and that was fun. I mean, yeah. we've started uh, buying so many books that we don't have the time to read, which seems well, to read be- more than before which helps us in turn to just write more in the Tileblaze universe yeah. and write better. Yeah, because we write a lot, but it's not our native. So we just, we try to improve ourselves. Hey, everybody, David here from the future. I just wanted to let you know that unfortunately, while we were talking to Mr. Cuttington, the connection kind of dropped off and we lost some of the audio. So we're just going to jump ahead to the next part of our conversation. A cool opportunity because like recently we were uh, contacted to just uh, give a class of digital art art to kids uh, because we just live near a high school, like two blocks away. So that's that's pretty cool. Tomorrow morning, we're just giving a class on like uh, dabbling in Procreate using the tablet. So that's that's going to be cool. Yeah, and it's like little sessions for like anyone can join up. Uh, it's on days um, when there's not uh, there's, any school. I don't yeah, know how you call that. I don't that know how English. to call that in English, <laughs> sorry. But there are some days where a teacher go to work, but usually students don't. And those days are for other activities. And we just have a uh, class of, of just doing art. Yeah. That is the coolest thing ever. Like Mr. Cuttington is teaching <laughs> art. That's that's insane. That's awesome. <laughs> we would love to make it down to to can or make it up to Canada to to join it. Now, the um I I I did want to talk to you a little bit more about a Lightning Boy Studios cuz I imagine, you know, you guys are typically contacted by designers and publishers to do artwork on on their games, but have has Lightning Boy Studio reached out to any of your contacts in the board gaming industry? to develop board games based on either Lagoof or, or Dinomancers, because we would love to see those amazing worlds in cardboard form. Yeah, it's definitely something we're looking into. I mean, especially the world of Dinomancers, we feel it would be very fitting. And colorful. Um, and- as a board game. So that's something we're looking into, especially with all the contacts that we have now. Um, uh, our main focus is, is Tower Blades at the moment, because it's taking so much time. But um, 
it's something to something to think about. Like, yeah, yeah I would love to see copper as a cardboard standee <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, be absolutely amazing. So, okay, so we have a fun question. Um, we know you both love board games, um, but we also know that Lena, you're an avid fan of gardening and with a wide collection of house plants. So, what advice would you have for those of us that are looking to venture into the world of house plants? And are there any type, certain types that you would recommend or tips that we could take for, away from you? Um, people that want to buy new houseplants normally they, they, they buy them because they're interested and one of the mistake is maybe to just water them too much i at least that was my problem <laughs> i was just like, every time i saw it i was just you're beautiful let's give you a drink and <laughs> it would die <laughs> so you just just leave them be they're they're plants it's okay and um yeah plants easy plants are probably like Pothos and uh, what do you call them? Uh, Long de Belmer. Uh, oh, oh Jesus! The, the name in, in English of all the plants is not that easy. But um, San Severia, something like that. I mean, there are a lot of easier plants that don't need too much sun, but it's mostly the watering that kills them if there's too much. So I would just say, take your finger, put it in the the soil and if it's really dry then water it and if it's any kind of moist just leave it be for a little i love it okay so finally um we know you likely can't talk too too much about the projects that you're currently working on but we did notice um a credit for mr cuddington on bgg for the paradox initiative from elf creep games so this game has a wide array um, of insanely talented board game artists credited to it. I mean, Vincent Dutre, Ian O'Toole, Bess Sobel, The Micho, and of course, you guys. Is there any chance you are able to discuss anything about that project or your involvement in it? Um, we I don't even know what has been revealed about it. Yeah, um, I don't think there's been much revealed, but I, I would say that I'm really glad to just be working with all those illustrators that we, I'm kind of, we're friends with them, but we never really get to work with them on any projects. And it's it's fun to just be able to see like Ian Uttal's work doing something similar. It's, it's, it's pretty rare that our style of art will show up in the same game. Mm-hmm. It's very different artists and everybody's bringing their little touch of something unique. and. I really can't wait to just see everything because there are a lot of artists involved. And I've seen a couple of works uh, other than ours, but not all of them. And I just can't wait to see what is going to be on the table. Like, it's going to be really nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're super excited. Just the list alone is like, oh, please let mm-hmm. that game come out sooner rather than later. So, But uh, we, we know how incredibly busy the two of you are, whether it's you know illustrating hundreds of pieces for the next amazing board game or creating a tune shader tutorial for lightning boy studios or building out the world of title blades for all of us to enjoy. So we just wanted to say thank you so much for everything you two do, including joining us here on the podcast today. So we are such big fans and we simply cannot wait to see all the amazing stuff coming from Mr. Cuddington. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. It was great talking to you.
Such a blast talking to both of them. I also, of course, learned a little bit about houseplants. So see, this podcast isn't just now about board games. You can also learn about how to keep your houseplants alive. Mm. I did like the concept that she was like, oh, the plants are so beautiful. You just need a little drink. I could totally see us doing that. Be like, oh, and then, of course, like, why are you getting sick? Oh, it needs more water. So, yeah. I, I uh, It's not a houseplant, but Logan and I planted flowers today. Yes. In our, um, what do you call that thing? A pot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Such experience. Yeah. You were asking if you're like, do you have soil or what did you, I, yeah, I think you called it at least soil. So you were like, I know what soil okay. is. Thank you. Oh, well, you didn't know what a pot was. So I'm not going <laughs> to. It's having a brain fart. Yeah. So uh, excellent interview. We had such a blast talking to them and just learning so much about them. So check out all of their, their amazing artwork and they have lots of great stuff coming out. So super excited for that paradox game paradox initiative yeah, I'm, I'm super intrigued that is they just seemed i mean obviously i think but they seem really cool yeah like, like that. hey you want to play like a couple's board game night yeah super down to earth okay. so yeah. super cool um so we we are uh we've got um lots of stuff that we did of course over the last two weeks since we haven't had a chance to do a podcast until Oy before day. thanksgiving so much we uh we played a lot of games uh during the break and a couple that we wanted to talk about one we'll just start with title blades so mm-hmm. mr cuttington doing the art and the world building we had a chance to play title blades heroes of the reef that uh, is a a table hog yeah it's a bit there's a lot so the, the it's a dice it's a dice worker placement game, but it's not, you don't use the dice as the workers. Like you have like, I think like Kingsburg is yeah. one of the classic dice worker placement game, but it's a worker placement game where you have dice that you use to complete quests. So mm-hmm. I think of like a marriage between, if you've played Lords of Waterdeep and Champions of Midgard, it's got a little bit of that, but there's yeah. a couple things that are really unique uh, that are for this game. One is of course the the setting. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy the setting. Uh, it's got this you know, uh, tropical island with monsters, kind of Zelda-ish. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, we, Of course, we talked to Mr. Cunnington, so we know the artwork's great, but the the dice mechanics in it are really unique because you start out with, like, the whole concept is you are these people who are trying to become Tidal Blades, which are, sure. like, the guardians of, mm-hmm. of the... The champions. Yeah, the champions of this um, contest that's ongoing. And you start out with, like, initiative dice they're Mm -hmm. like initiate dice they're like weak dice that only have like um they only have one symbol that you need to get on one of the sides yeah a bunch of blanks and then yeah 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 and then eventually Mm -hmm. you get better and better you upgrade not only do you upgrade your character and get asymmetrical powers but Mm -hmm. you can choose kind of the tech tree that you want your dice do you want to do more blue dice do you want to do more red dice well it depends on the quest you go to to the on the challenges that you're doing as well right and focusing on so it's it's really good the dice upgrading is probably my your favorite? Yeah, one of the favorites. I just, it felt balanced that way and kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know how to. But it is, I would, you're definitely correct that it is a bit of a table hog. So each mm-hmm. of the worker placement, there's kind of like a three islands or three boards that you kind of put in a particular order that are the different areas where you can do worker placement actions and then also complete those challenges. And then you've got a board that has all of the available challenges on it. And then you've got you your, your own player board that has all these cool dials. Score track at the top. Yeah, you've got a big champion yeah. board with a scoring track at the top. So I'm, there's there's a lot. So you need a big, a relatively large table. I or, mean, we went and got like a dice. I was like, I'm going to go get the the dice. What's that? Tray, the tray. foldable oh dice. Oh my gosh, I can't remember words tonight, you yeah. guys. Yeah, pot and tray. Oh <laughs> um, Single syllable like, words. Hold on a moment. I'm going to go get the dice tray. Yeah, that was a good move. I don't move. even know where to put the dice. 
and the dice are great. The but the production value, not just the art, but like the production value, like the cards are great. The boards are really great. There's like little fruit um, uh, tokens and little yeah. shell tokens. It just, again, the world building in it is really cool because a lot of Euro games, like worker placement games and, you know, those dice, dice games can, well, not necessarily dice games. Those are usually more thematic. But this does a good job of like blending a really cool story and theme around Euro style mechanics because usually worker placement, I always think of like farming. Right. It's always farming. But this one, it feels like you're, you know, you're a champion. You've got this unique character and you're going to upgrade your character and you get these your your own unique deck uh, for the character you're playing as. And as you upgrade your character, mm-hmm. you get like abilities that are unique to you. So it's very asymmetrical. And you mm-hmm. take you like get two cards when you upgrade your character and you pick one and both. It, that's like one of the hardest things because you're usually both really, really so good. Just pick blindly like I do. I know you do do that. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know. Alyssa's so like, I just like shuffle and like, I guess like, they're both fate. good. Yeah, Yeah, sometimes I just don't want to decide. Then I'm not mad at myself. It doesn't work out. Like, I didn't choose that. I played Dust, I believe. Yeah, you were. You you played as Dust, and And then then I was Eco for the the games that we played. I was going to say Echo. It's Eco. You're right. But I liked, yeah, because I did get to upgrade her. Yeah. I believe Dust is a um, female. And I mean, it it is really cool when you get to upgrade to see those. When you're turning those, those wheels are cool to turn. Yeah, the player boards have these little dials that you move to upgrade your character. Just, yeah, that tactile feeling of turning a dial. I felt like you were in the way. Like I never felt like Yeah. There's not a lot of like there's not a I mean it's a it's a competition, obviously you're trying to get the most points. There's this like champion board and each at the end of each one of the rounds you like see where you're on that champion board to determine some extra bonus mm-hmm. points, but it's not there's not a lot of like direct competition. Your well, character got a lot of buffs by doing something or being at the same island as she another likes to show off. Which <laughs> so, is totally not me. So I'm like it's opposite or <laughs> like yeah, it's it cute. felt it felt like I said it felt thematic. Like the characters feel like there's there's life, there's energy there, there's yeah. there's something different instead of just like I think of Lords of Waterdeep. Like you're a you're a lord, but there's no backstory. There's no there's nothing. I mean, you have like a unique secret goal, which you have in this game too. But it's not there's no there's no attachment to the character. I at least felt like no. oh, this character has like this this these this designed to help that character do better. And then also like it fits within the world. Well, I uh, love Lords of Waterdeep. Like you'll never hear me. That's right, one of my right. top, but like, no, there's n- no connection with. Yeah. You don't know. You're this playing. I was like, yeah, dust, I need, I need skullduggery cards and I need, you yeah, know, yeah, the, yeah. the arcana cards or whatever it is. Like but that's meant, all you're looking for. I meant more like you never got my way in far as like, no, it's definitely not like mean, a mean game. I have played, we have played some worker placement games that could be a little mean. The only, the but only angst. No, no, and I was like, like I could go, like I'm not like you didn't. I could go and do whatever I needed to do. There yeah. was a way or somewhere to go to get something what I needed. Yeah, there was never. There's obviously like with every worker placement game, like someone could take that spot, but it didn't feel yeah. like you couldn't get to what you needed to get to mm-hmm. in some other way. It may not be the most efficient, but you can ultimately get to where you need to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you, if that sounds interesting at all to you, uh, fair listener, you can check out Title Blades. We also have the expansion, which we need to play Angler's Cove. All right, hold on, cowboy. I We're going to get like the base game. We've played like a <laughs> few more on our belt. Like before I said, we... We've plenty of times had the expansion even before we no. had the board game. So Our gaming group will agree with me. <laughs> you need to slow your roll. Um, so yeah, the, check that out. We also played another game that we had an opportunity to play was Wingspan. Birds and cats yes. and cats and birds. We always talk about that. We it's always haven't played it in a while. Like we played that a lot. Yeah, we played that a and lot. And then I think we kind of like you know, okay. Yeah, we should but play something else. <laughs> we came back and like, I'm like, oh, this is such a good game. Yeah, I kind of a little bit. I forgot about. It. I, I, you know, it's been you a while. Since, how to play it? Well, I forgot about like, like little. Trap. 
Yeah, but like the little intricacies of like, because I was playing it for the first time. I played with it a couple other people for the first time. And I think our buddy Jordan, who mm-hmm. loves Euro style games, mm-hmm. I showed him the box cover. I told him it was about birds. And he's like, <laughs> okay, I'll play. And I could just tell like, he's like, this is like, okay, well, maybe next week we'll play something fun. No, like, but that he was... comes and plays the next night with us. So right, I know. But then about halfway through, he's like, I really like this game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. I, you know, it's, it's, a... it's a, I love that feeling when like, the the game is that good. I like. I genuinely think the you can have any theme. The birds do help. I actually think it may. It's a good theme because it fits well. I think the, it's genius. Like you, where you're gonna go for your, you know, you have the wetlands, right, and the yeah, that's, forest. Like I just and and the grass area, grasslands. Yeah, the birds all like. So, anyways, let's just jump back. So, if you haven't played Wingspan, Wingspan is a. Uh, it's essentially a card game, card right? Game. It's yeah. a card game, yeah. but it's it's an engine building card mm-hmm. game wrapped around all these different birds, all the mm-hmm. various different uh, types of birds that you can possibly think of. Because mm-hmm. just in the base game alone, I want to say there's like 150 oh, different unique and then cards. And expansions in, and it's like a plethora. It's of, like almost 200 cards yeah, of different. And so you've got to like, the birds need to, there's, you have a couple different um, habitats that each type of bird wants to live in. Then they have certain food that they eat. Mm-hmm. And then... Like you have gold card, like have secret goals that you have. Like I had round. Oh no, in game goals and like yeah. Each round you're trying to get certain goals. Like maybe you want more birds on the forest by the end of mm-hmm. round one. Whoever has the most gets points. Or if you want birds that have this kind of nest. Or, or I had one. That, the one I chose, which hindsight, yes, I probably because at the bottom of the card it tells you the percent of the deck that is that card that you'll need. And mine, I think I was like seven percent. Oh, so yeah, I the gold never, cards, yeah. It this... didn't come out once for me because like it'll tell you like I needed a, um, birds that only, only ate a certain ate worms. Food. Right. No, Invertebrate. Invertebrate. Yeah. But yes, worms. That's what everyone worms. affectionately calls yeah. it. So the, that, that hindsight, that, that's hard when it's a lower percentage. But I think it paid out like a lot if you were able yeah, to do it. Yeah, it didn't pay out anything because I didn't get any of yeah. it. Yeah. There's a little, of course, it's a card game. So there's always the random draw of the deck, but... I do enjoy these kinds of games because, like, I think of, like, Terraforming Mars, Wingspan. There's obviously a couple others that are, like, deck build or, excuse me, engine building card games. Mm-hmm. And you get this, like, beginning hand of cards and you look at them and you, as you play the game more, of course, you start to realize, okay, so I've got this kind of randomness and how do I get this randomness to become an engine that works well for me? I really, really enjoy that, that kind of those first few uh the first few games that you play, you're just kind of feeling out the game. But as you play it more and you see the strategies, like for instance, there's a concept of taking cards and and, and tucking them underneath another mm-hmm. card, and that represents like a flock of that particular bird. And don't they have like a cachet one too? Yeah, you can cachet food. So there's all these different ways to get points. You can lay eggs. You can get. You can cachet food. You can tuck cards. There's all these different ways to get victory points in the game. And I think once you play the game more and more and more. You start to realize how the cards kind of the the various different cards, which are all again unique, start clicking, and that's I think the yeah. genius of that game. There's a lot going on, but not in a bad way. Like it's runs so smoothly, sure. And then it just I don't know, it just all works. I know since I haven't played in a while. First, I was like, I don't remember how to play this, but it's like literally riding a bike. Yeah, after first, like, we just the first, started play, I was like, oh, okay, that's like, right. Yeah, you play a card here, then you uh, put the thing, thing, and then blah blah blah. Yeah, exactly. Then you put the, yeah. It's super great. Um, so definitely, if you haven't had it, if you haven't heard about Wingspan and you're listening to this podcast, you're in a very small Venn diagram because uh, <laughs> Wingspan is everywhere. But so it just sold, it just sold over a million copies. I heard that on the news. Holy schmoly! Yeah. So Wingspan, very very popular. That's so check awesome. that out. And then we've we have 
Speaking of stuff that's, we'll get to this a little bit later, but we are getting more copies of the European expansion because the base game, I believe, came with uh, birds just in North America, I think is what's the base game, Mm -hmm. primarily in North American birds. And they came out with the European expansion, Mm -hmm. which is more European style birds. European expansion? Yeah. Well, the Oceana one was in the Oceana (laughs) area. So they're getting crazy. I, I, yeah. So it's, it's a genius thing because there's like a bajillion birds. So. And what else? We played. And you don't uh, even like birds and you like this game. See, I, that's. <laughs> I tell that I appreciate them. They're beautiful. Most of them. I'm terrified <laughs> just, of birds. Like terrified. Like Alfred Hitchcock. It's movie. like the perfect form like of b- bird for me. Yeah. It's on a card. It's not, a, it's in 2D, not oh, 3D. <laughs> I am. Um, we haven't, um an odd relationship myself and birds yes but okay so we played other games really quick we've talked about them before we played 10 of course we played 10 i got to the table yeah we're getting more copies of that he was good at that game yeah we played 10 during the yeah. holiday period during thanksgiving uh it's a press it's like a almost like blackjack meets set collections really yeah. good my really, da- really my good. dad really likes that game too yeah. so it yeah. like that's a span of like all ages that we sure. played with like love that game so we've done that one and then we did of course gone john clever yeah that's pretty clever the dice games we, we always play, play that we play yeah. that constantly so and, yep play that and, and then, then the one we did i wanted to talk about we gave um logan for um christmas well just for a fun themed christmas thing this month is mary grinchmas yeah this is from i believe it's he from loves Funko. the grinch Yes, our son is, it just has such love for the Grinch. I love it. Uh, so this game's really cute. It's a kid's game, obviously. It's like five up. Yeah. That's at least what it says I on the box. I didn't know it was a co-op game because I didn't like, I just saw Grinch. I was like, gotta gotta, we got to order that for But like, yeah, co-op site collection is like perfect. Yeah, you're moving, the, basically you're moving around this board that you're moving this little Grinch miniature, which looks great, by the way. stealing the presents. And yeah, there's these little tokens that are various different presents from the classic yeah. Grinch Stole Christmas. And he's stealing them, but at the same time, you're at the end of every round, you get to take, um, as the players, you take a particular mm-hmm. gift of your choice of three. Mm-hmm. And then the, in the middle of the board, there's these cards that are telling you like, oh, you need a set of a green gift and a blue gift and a pink gift. And if or you two identical gifts or right, all different kinds of yeah. sets that you're trying to collect. And if you can collect those sets, then you can turn in them, turn them in and get those mm-hmm. cards and get victory points. But the Grinch is doing the same thing because mm-hmm. of course he's stealing the gifts. And at the end of the game, whoever has the most victory points or I think they were like stars, stars, victory points. Yeah. Uh, wins the game. And what we won will. the first game. We lost the second game then i played with him we won and then i think we played another one and he won so it's not like he's the grinch is he is a grinch it was cute though <laughs> i i mean i know I'm, I'm his mom but when logan was explaining the game and he goes but the grinch doesn't actually reach and get them because he doesn't have real arms in this game daddy grabs them <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god but it's keeping his attention and it's the perfect length for his age and yeah it's fun it's actually it's yeah it's not a bad a good game. intro yeah for him. it's it's and it teaches like I mean, I don't know how much he was picking up on it, but it's like you, we were trying to be like, okay, so look at these cards. You know, this these are the sets that you want to try to collect mm-hmm. to get victory points. Which one do you want of these three tokens? And he's like, that one, because it's on this card. And it's like, all right, cool. Or you have this and this and this. What do you need to finish this card? Right. It's it's a great introduction to set collection. We need to get copies of it. It's been pretty hard to get a hold of that. Um, for some reason, our we just haven't been able to get it at the store. I've been looking for it. So um, so we will try to get some Merry Grinchmas. It may be, of course, after the holidays. But I think it's a good... It's a, it's Grinch a classic. around. It's yeah. classic. And not just that. Like You can pick it up, put it in your attic, and then... Give it to your kids the next year. Like I said, I'd play it. I'd play it now. Like it's fun. It's just and it gets you in that holiday. You know, you got to break out all the holiday games. Yeah, Logan's like, we'll just put this up in the Christmas stuff in the attic, and we'll get it down next year. That way, extra special. We'll just play it at Christmas time. Exactly. I'm like, exactly. oh my gosh, get out of here, kid. 
All right. Well, those are all the amazing things that we did over the break. We hope everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving, had lots of games to play, but we do have lots and lots and lots of new stuff, back in stock stuff, upcoming stuff. So it's much. crazy. I think we have like 50 Game. boxes coming in the next couple of days of stuff. It's insane. So it's exciting. Yes. Very exciting. So uh, some new stuff that we got, uh, Jamaica. This is a new edition of Jamaican the... Jamaican me crazy. Jamaican me crazy. <laughs> yes, Jamaica, the uh, very popular racing pirate game. Uh, they came out with a new edition from Space Cowboys, um, so you can check that out. I, I think we had a few copies and they already sold out, but we have more coming. Um, also from Asmodee, our, our pretzel games, uh, Junk Art 3rd Edition. This is the same company that made Flick 'em Up, um, mm-hmm. and I think they also made Men at Work. So they've got it's a lot of like de- dexterity, yeah, flicking. family dexterity game. Well, this isn't flip flick. Well, yeah, but building. it's stacking building. Yeah, it, I'm not I'm probably wrong here, but it reminds me of it gives me hamster roll vibes. Yeah, it, no, ha- yeah, yes? I do. Yeah, it's those geometric kind of kids. They look like the, the wooden, shapes, the wooden the shapes. Like, yeah, the stacking, the wooden. Like, yeah, the kids. Because you have shapes. your cards and you pass it to the person on your left, and then. They pick and they have to stack it. Yeah, it looks it looks fun. Yes, yes, yes. We've got a couple of um, rolling rights. We had uh, Rolling Realms from Stonemeyer Games come in. Come in. Uh, so that one is we talked about that I think last time as uh, upcoming, but mm-hmm. it's kind we of a, it's a it was a game made during the pandemic that got so mm-hmm. much popularity that uh, they ended up coming out with a retail yeah. version. So check that out if you're a big Roll and Write fan. Another Roll and Write was Super Skill Pinball Ramp It Up, which is a Standalone sequel to Super Skill Pinball 4K. It is a roll and write set in like a pinball universe. Like you're playing pinball. Now, are you like generally you a fan? I love, love pinball machines. Do you like pinball? Yeah, but I'm not good at it. Okay. But you I do always gen- wanted to take you to the pinball hall of fame here. Yeah, there's a big giant pinball <laughs> hall of fame here. And I, I mean, need, we've we only lived here like 20 plus I know, years. We never go. Gone. It's like the, people are always like, oh, you live in Vegas. You go to the strip and never. like go to No, you don't go. You know better. Then just take your money. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's super skill pinball ramp it up. That's from WizKids. Very popular. Um, the the four K and this one has I believe four new tables and it's it's just I want to play a, that one. Yeah, we need to play because we're big fans of rolling right. So we got that. Um, another one was Power Rangers deck building. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zio the Zio Ranger set. It's called Stronger Than Ever. Mm-hmm. Now I thought this was an expansion, but then found out it's actually like a standalone game. Uh, mm-hmm. That I think you can mix in with the original Power Rangers deck building game, Oof. and then of course I asked, I asked my buddy who's the uh, connoisseur of Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Do you, how how because I was into it when it was just Mighty Morphin. Now they're like they're oh into my like gosh. they got all different kinds of stuff going on. He was like, yeah, I was in it with the Zeo, and I was like, okay, cool. Was it a good series? He's like, oh yeah, Zeo was great. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, good. Um, we also have uh, oh. Arkham Horror, the card game, Edge of Earth campaign box. We did get the Investigator box, but this is like the 300 plus card um, campaign box where it takes you through a whole narrative set in like Antarctica. I'm like super excited to play this. (laughs) Uh, And so they're moving away. Well, Fantasy Flight said they're moving away, but I still think they're going to do like individual packs. But the concept here is that it's like the entire cycle in one box instead of the right. like, six different blister packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's got some, it's uh, first of all, I just love, you know, I love the Cthulhu mythos mm-hmm. stuff. You do. Um, and I love when it's set in like Antarctica. Cause it's like, it's the, it's the continent we don't live on for a reason. Cause that's where the old <laughs> ones are. And it's all cool. I just, I love all that stuff. So check that out. We have copies of that. Oh, you're going, no, go to that one. Tenor's trail. This is Tenor's trail, the expansion box. 
Yeah, it's from Alley Cat Games. Super popular. Uh, Martin Wallace. Kind of a. It was a, mm-hmm. essentially a remake, and then they've come out with a uh, expansion box and more mm-hmm. more um, variability for that game. Uh, speaking of expansions, we do have a couple for Ankh. That's the Eric, mm-hmm. the newest Eric Lang uh, game from Simon. Uh, Guardian set, which I believe is um, a set of miniatures, and then the Pharaoh expansion. So you can check that out if you're a fan of Eric Lang, like the Blood Rage, the Rising Sun, you know, all those area control, dudes on a map, as they call it. Dudes uh, on a map. Dudes on a map. Uh, I always find that name silly. But anyway, uh, you know, great games. Uh, oh, Magic Market. This is a new one from uh, Loki. Loki. I love, I think they're coming out with some great kids games. Yeah, they got like, like SOS Dino, Detective Kraken. Charlie. Don't they have Kraken Attack? Kraken Attack is I'm them like, too. I'm like, they're... they're uh, killing it with the kids yeah they've got like a good like which is what they're supposed that's their line of games so. sure which is where you're like killing the kids but you're killing <laughs> no, the kids games <laughs> but no they've they've got like this um they're not like little little kids but they're not like pokemon i don't know how to explain it like it's like right in that nice little s- but it's in the perfect age range of when they're starting to play but i liked crack and attack i think there's like enough like choice in that game to like you could play oh, it yeah as, we did play that one yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and like the miniatures are insanely that's good what quality. gets them they know the toy factor it's like it's right there yeah yeah so magic market um that's the newest one it, it, i i think what i saw from the box it's got like this nice big board that you're putting i think cards on well there's a rondel oh there you go. On See, it? Alyssa's using the words um, Rondell. No, it's you know, it's it <laughs> looks really cute. It's like a the fairy tale market where you're there's a memory component to it too, but you don't have to have the memory. You know what I mean? For, sure. It's for the older, so it actually ranges well from like the, what age range is playing, and then also for um, how many rounds, and whatnot. It scales based on that, so they they know the attention span. Yes, that's always a hard thing for well, sure developers, no, they, no, designers to come up like I need something engaging that's over relatively quickly, or at least is mm-hmm. does different things. So, so if yeah, if you've got kiddos that you're looking for the next new good kids game, you can't go wrong with the Loki games. They're always really good, and it has dice rolling, which of course is going to have some luck there. But it's kids, a kids game. Kids and love rolling dice. Everyone, I love rolling dice. I love rolling so much fun. Yeah. Uh, next up, our last up for the new stuff that we have, uh, Luna Capital from mm, Devere. This one uh, looks super, super cool. It's like, it's got this puzzle. So the concept is like, you're building the, finally we've done it. We've now built on the moon, the satellite to earth. Uh, but you're all competing to try to build the best, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, space station on the best on, settlement on the moon, the best settlement, the cap- capital city, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Luna yeah, yeah. Capital. It's like, wait. Uh, but it has like a, it looks like, I haven't had a chance to play it, but it seems like it has this really cool um, puzzle-y aspect to it because spatial I believe- Spatial puzzle. Yeah, spatial yeah. puzzle because you're laying cards down and you're, you mm-hmm. have like three rows that you're limited to. So when you add cards, they have to go in those three rows. It's I, like a, a tight tile placement game. This looks really it cool. It looks, the artist, random, is, I was looking up, him up. He's like a really good comic book artist. Oh, cool. I see. I, I always wonder why board games don't do that more is going- pick maybe maybe it's just maybe it's like a board you know i don't do i do comic books or there's graphic like a division novels. of like yeah, yeah. I, do, I don't know i, I do that. movie posters or I do. yeah sure i wonder if that's because it seems like that would be an untapped uh resource for board game people is to like i think of mind uh mind management which is based of course uh, on a comic yeah. book and i'm sure that was the same artist perhaps that did the same artwork for the comic book or the the graphic novel well, comic series books like those are some detailed oh it's entirely it's, like it's, i'm not a comic book person but yeah. like when i read them with logan or like whatever like the one you have like i'm like dang these pictures are they're legit yeah, yeah. it's incredible the stuff that and it, it, and now with like all of this 
you know, it's just ugh, just the stuff they can do with 3D, you know, the animation stuff that they can do too is incredible. I think of like they just came out with a trailer for the next Spider-Man across the unit or that comes across the Spider-Verse. That's the in Sony. No, that's the live action one. You know the you know the recent one we watched with Logan, the Spider-Man um into the Spider-Verse with all the different Spider-Men, you know like Yes. Spider Gwen. They're coming I, there's out. so many, you I guys. <laughs> it's almost like getting ridiculous. Like I like Spider-Man, but Hey man, it's the most popular comic book Clearly character. Clearly they're making yeah, money. They're, yeah, they're making a lot. But they just showed a trailer and just the artwork, like it's the comic book style mm-hmm. and it just looks incredible. So so that's all the new stuff. We had some very popular stuff. Very when I say popular, I mean very popular stuff back in stock. We got Beyond the Sun mm-hmm. from Rio Grande. People have been asking for this for a while, so we did get that back in stock. It's and the tech tree of on top of tech trees on top of tech trees game. And then, of course, you have Detective City of Angels. Yeah, from Van Ryder. So that, that got the flying off the shelves. Yeah, well, shut up and when anytime shut up and sit yeah. down does a it does a positive review for a game. <laughs> Everything goes, but no, it, it it seems really cool. I need to get that to the table because it seems like it's got this. I, I played a video game called um, L- L.A. Noir. I think that's what it was called, where it's like you're in the, you know, I think of like um, L.A. Confidential, the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that classic noir. Noir. Girl walks into the police station, says, my husband's been killed and I need a detective. Oh, my gosh. Like, you know, I, I love that stuff. So that it's all like pulpy. He- is it heavy? I don't think it's super I heavy. Honestly, like, yeah. But that yeah. Vincent Dutre artwork is insane. Yeah. So beautiful. So. And Root. Um, Yep, and then we got copies of Oof. Root, uh, the base game finally back. So those have been super, super, super popular. We now need to get more of the expansions because everybody's been buying them with the expansions. Mm-hmm. Another incredibly popular game back in stock, uh, just in time for the holidays, Viticulture. Mm. Your jam, your boy. And these Jamie are all like... Yeah, super popular. Mm-hmm. That's why I wasn't joking. And then we got Definitely. Parks Nightfall, the expansion for Parks. We got copies of that. That's from Keymaster Games. So That's awesome. Justin, I I feel like those all these games are like they were stuck in the harbor and they're like, please open them, please <laughs> open them before Christmas, please. I'll uh, drive a semi down. Uh, yeah, exactly. Jamie Stegmeyer was going to get a semi and drive it himself. <laughs> uh, so those are all back in stock. We do have a lot of stuff coming too, a lot of uh, upcoming titles and reprints on their way to us, including so much. So Mini Rogue, we we've talked about quite a bit. It's mm-hmm. kind of this kind of small scale card game that's like a a rogue like video game where you're running through a dungeon and there's a bunch of expansions coming out for it uh, which i think came out at the time with the kickstarter edition so we've got some of the expansions coming um another expansion is the lost ship expansion for a game called mystery house i don't know if you've seen this but it's like you look into it's like a thing where you build it and you like peer into the windows of this box Mm. and that's like the kind of the puzzle part of it um and i haven't had a chance to play it i've heard about it and then i know this one's going to be they were originally set in like a spooky house. And so this one's called the lost ship and it's like sci-fi. So I don't know if it's like a whole new box that you put on. I don't know. But I think that whole concept of like looking into like a little window in a cardboard box to try to find something. It does sound, I guess I made it sound creepy. It sounds (laughs) cool to me. Um, uh, More expansions. Uh, These have always, okay. So spirit Island, the base game, we it doesn't look like we're going to be getting any copies of that. We may, I don't know, but we are getting we copies of Jagged Earth, which people have been clamoring for, <laughs> and then the Branch and Claw expansion mm-hmm. too. So if you're a big fan of Spirit Island, uh, it's a cooperative, heavy strategy game, mm-hmm. excellent artwork. We're getting those expansions. Um, so we were talking about Root. The other big leader game that's coming back is Oath. Oath. All their games are four letters. Fort, Root, 
vast oath. I think that's a thing. I think that clearly is a thing. Or maybe you're reading into it. No, they're all literally reading into it. But I can't think of another leader game that isn't four letters. That might be it. Maybe anyone knows anything out there, let us know. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Jekyll versus Hyde from Mandu Games. This looks cool. It's like a card game, and I, the the cover of the artwork looks fantastic. Um, so we've got that coming. Uh, Magic Maze, which has been out of print for quite some time. This is a very popular game where you cannot talk to each other, but you are trying to communicate certain things by moving this pawn around a maze. But you're you're on each corner of the maze, and you can only move in a certain direction. But you're trying to like tell the person to go this way without. Directly that speaking like to your jam. Oh, I love that stuff. Like the mind and all that stuff where you can't talk. Hanabi, where you can only give some information, but I love that stuff. Um, another one, I'm going to say this wrong, but is it Florifus? Floriferous. Floriferous. This is from Pencil First Games. So this is the duo of Edward Barath mm, and yeah. uh, Steve Finn, mm-hmm. which they've made a bunch of really like herbaceous they work together on. A bunch of those really like simple, beautiful fun quick card game so this seems like it's in that vein um we do have a couple expansions for well the expansion for paladins of the west kingdom from uh our friend shem phillips friend of the show oh, we can geez. say we interviewed i don't know if Did he's you a friend just go there <laughs> <laughs> we interviewed him that makes him a friend uh so they're coming out with the expansion or the we're getting copies of the expansion city of crowns which adds like a new mechanic where you're like trashing a card when you when you take cards. Oh, I just love when they like they add another like, oh, you think this game is difficult to, like to make your decisions? Here's another decision space that Have you got to work in. Yeah, enjoy this. And of course, all their games come in those nice little tight square Oof. boxes. And now you have this expansion and it probably won't fit. So guess they what? They always go for me. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We got the collector's edition box coming too. So you of can course. pick that up. And we found out there's some secret Easter eggs on that box. You can see the Micho. Mm-hmm. You can see uh, Shem Phillips and... We love Easter Oh, the Easter eggs. Right. What? Oh, are you looking at me to do something? No, I oh, no. <laughs> I thought you were gonna just. So yeah, so you can see um, uh, all of those Easter eggs that uh, Shem talked about. Sorry about that. I feel like I dropped the ball. No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> um, th- those boxes. I always feel like I go to pick them up. Like you're like, oh, it's a cute little spot. I'm like, and it's so much heavier than you realize. Like, I don't know. Always catches me off guard. Yeah. So I forgot to say also Sam McDonald's on the cover. So the designers and the artists are hidden on the box yes. of Paladins of the West Kingdom. It's like, where's Waldo? <laughs> yes, where's Waldo? Where's Sam? Um, another friend of the show, Keith Mateka. Everyone's a friend of the show. If you've been on the show, you're permanently... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just uh, We interviewed Keith Mateka and we've got some new games from Thunderworks mm-hmm. on their way to us. I can't. Role player adventure, the monster box, the epic conclusion Mm. of your role-playing adventure you've battled against monsters you've created your character you have your fiends and your familiars and now you're going to take them on these epic adventures and role-player adventures oh i'm so excited (laughs) what everyone's been asking for i know i'm so excited to play this game uh in addition we are also getting cartographers heroes which is a standalone sequel to cartographers the excellent uh flip and write map making game i i want to play that well, I think it's, it. from what I can tell, it looks like it's a little bit more uh, more drawn out, like, <laughs> no pun intended, um, <laughs> more drawn out, more strategy, a little bit, um, because you can play it by itself, but it can be mixed in with the original game to kind of give more variety and strategies. But you've got new ambush cards, new maps, um, all that good stuff. And we are getting some expansions, some map expansions for Cartographer Heroes as well. There's like, I think there's three. Hmm. And then we are also we're, we're getting Cape May as well, which is, I mean, I, I think it's, 
again, we Man, were joking about busy like time for them. Well, it's like well, we not talk now. about it's out. But. <laughs> it's like you know the crate got open the, yeah, the yeah, on yeah. the harbor, and now here's everything Literally. all at once. Uh, oh, so okay. Cape May looks really really interesting too. Oh, a Chronicles of the Crime twenty four hundred. Yeah, from Lucky Duck Games, we were getting mm. the third expansion in the Chronicles of Crime that uh, where they had well, not third expansion. Well, it's like the technically the fifth, but it's in that. They did 1,400, 1,900, 2,400. Okay, so you've got like the years. I knew what you meant. But this one this one looks to be my favorite. It's got like, it kind of has like a, a Blade Runner look to it. So it's like oh. the science or the uh, kind of rundown, down, you know. Yeah. It's, um. why can I not think of what it, it's like neon, but it's like dirty, dirty yeah. neon. I guess that's the only way You'll I You'll have to play say. that with a brother-in-law. <laughs> Blade Runner, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that one's coming. Uh, Clank in Space Adventure. So there was a bunch of adventure sets for Clank in Space, or excuse me, just Clank, mm-hmm. um, like Gold and Silver and Temple of the oh, Ape so Lords. Many. But now they're doing the same kind of treatment for Clank in Space, and this is okay. Pulsar Arcade. This is, uh, again, from Renegade Games. Um, and then finally, uh, the last new game that we're uh. going to be getting is Art Deco from Rio Grande Games. So this looks like a... Speaking of Clank, you've got this deck building core, but then they add a like a strategic economic game around deck building. So I always love when they you like take marry kind of, each other. Yeah, you take these cool two unique gameplays mm-hmm. and you kind of merge them together. And deck building, I think it it can like just like with Clank, like you've got where Clank is a deck building game, but it's it's circled around press your luck with how much noise you make, and it's also circled around. Uh, moving around and pressing your luck to go deeper down the dungeon. I, I think it's always a good idea. I think deck building is a good engine. I always like those games that like meld different mechanics mm-hmm. together because, well, I don't know. I just feel like it speaks to more people. Well, and you can, well, no, like, if it's something like you really like, like something's not really calling me, but like, well, it has this. Right. Like, oh, I really like that. Well, it's okay, got like classic, yeah, like classic artwork in it, which isn't, I mean, I like art, but it's not like, that's not what I'm after. Like classic like classic because uh, I think it was based off a game called Promenade Promenade uh, and it has like I think of like the um, um, Vincent Van Gogh you know the when you go walk through an art museum mm-hmm. it's not my, I'm like Shem Phillips I'm like eh it's okay you know but I think now you're like but it's got deck building I'm like alright I'm listening so I, I get what you're saying <laughs> I get what you're saying um, so you my attention so that's the that's the last one of the new stuff and we do I think we have more stuff that's coming it's just this list is already gotten way too long it is just never ending yes so lots of new stuff coming out soon um, so should we do the listener question well i did want to mention the last day to oh yes. we, we don't we don't want to over promise and under deliver on if you're getting a gift for you know special someone we or for yourself under promise and over deliver exactly literally deliver <laughs> yes so the last day to order from tabletop merchant and, and make sure that it gets to you by december 24th is going to be the 12th of december mm-hmm. uh, that gives us enough time to get the game bubble wrapped which we do for every single game get in in a box yeah. with your other stuff and get it shipped out to you and make sure it gets there in time give the various yeah. different postal and transit safe. yeah we i don't i don't i don't want to deal wanna, with like oh it. i need it you know because we I were don't at want FedEx any disappointment the other, yeah and like we were at ups the other day and i was talking to the owner and i was like how's how's the holiday she's like <laughs> i'm just waiting for someone to come in on the 23rd and be like i need this to get across the country <laughs> on christmas and she's like it's not, not gonna happening. happen <laughs> <laughs> maybe christmas next year mm-hmm. uh so we so we don't want to like i said we don't want to have any disappointment so the 12th will be the last day that we can guarantee uh you can press your luck so to speak speaking of board games mm-hmm. if you want to order something that thereafter uh but we will not be guaranteeing it um 
that it'll get to them in time. Because again, we don't we don't control the if we controlled UPS. Maybe at, the next thing is we'll FedEx. like open up a TTM like transit transit company. No, no, <laughs> no. that's what no. That's, that seems like a lot of more work. <laughs> Maybe uh, in a few years. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, so last but not of course least, we had a wonderful listener question from Corey. I I giggled. When he sent us this, because this happens too. A lot. I'm like, oh, we're going to have some insight on this one. Yeah. So his question is, go ahead. He said, "Um, have you ever finished teaching the game? And at some point much later, maybe, you know, halfway through, you found there like something came up and you're like, brings up a rule that you forgot to mention. Yes. To the to the group or to, and to teach. And so this situation, like, obviously, people might get a little frustrated with this. Mm-hmm. But in my, and I'll let you put your two cents. Yes, that happens all the time. Yeah. Of course, I mean, especially when just, we're when we're teaching a game for the first time. That's just the kinks you're working out. Yeah. And I always feel, for me, I'm like, well, you know what? I didn't take up reading the rule book. So, it's hard for you to know, get mad. Well, yeah, I'm like, if I'm going to, you know, sit here and David's, you're, you're doing the rule book and you're, re- you're taking the time to read through it and teach it and all that jazz, I can't be that mad about it. <laughs> Some people do get pretty frustrated i will say this i try to read a rule book this is my suggestion if you're teaching again <laughs> one is like read through the rule book and when i say that uh, of course do that but what i mean is like literally just read the rule book like don't try to like okay maybe this is me but i like to try to like take notes or highlight stuff that i'm oh like this is gosh, important David. don't do that for the first time just try to like buzz through the rule book and then have like a baseline you know set of understanding of how the game works and then you should go through it again if especially if you're going to be teaching this without having played yeah. it solo or played it by yourself you know two-handed or whatever mm-hmm. it's called but the problem that i always have and this is a real big problem that i have is i get so excited when i'm teaching the game and i'm trying to get to the game so quickly mm-hmm. that i just miss like it may not be the most important rule um overall but if somebody is focusing on that particular strategy i have just ruined that game for them by being like oh yeah uh, money at the end of the game is worth nothing. And they're like, that might have been important for me to know because I was hoping that money was going to be worth something because in most games it's worth something. But I also noticed too, like when you're, well, I'm just an eager beaver. Like, So is everybody. And not when like, it comes to playing I need to learn games. just to just be quiet until you're done. Because <laughs> in my head. Can I get better at writing? <laughs> I've played so many games. I'm like, okay, well, what about this and this? And David's like, I will get to that lady. Yeah. Like just chill. But also what I've noticed is I, don't I feel mind like you've played games t- enough. You know, once you start to get seasoned, I'm not saying, obviously everyone starts somewhere. Once you play some under your belt, you're going to start to play and realize, like, you're going to start asking those questions. Because like, okay, I need to know that before, you know, I appreciate, to clarify. I appreciate when people ask good questions while teaching the rules. I will say this, like... I ask a lot of questions. Well, I appreciate it because you're like... Okay, I un- and it also tells me that you understand what I just said. You're like, okay, I get it. This this is a this triggers this. Okay, so what happens if this happens? I'm like, I will definitely get to it, and I appreciate that you're you're already putting down or understanding what I'm putting down. Right, that's well, totally fine. I think what sometimes happens in teaching board games, it, I think yeah, I think everybody just kind of has to have a mindset of the first game is going to be kind of this experimental poking around the game and seeing if you enjoy it. Right. Um, we've definitely played a number of games where we got a very, very important rule wrong. And Mm -hmm. then like, I remember Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid. That was one game that we played where I just totally messed up on one particular rule and it broke the game. Like, we're like, this game is too hard. But when you were like, the Power Rangers never lose in the TV show. But when you see it like that, 
even immediately like there's something we're not doing right. Right. And I think that's the love. That's what's nice about board gaming now is that if something feels really wrong, like this it probably is, is, it probably is something you did something potentially wrong with the teach or the reading the rules. And you may want to go over it again because these, the majority, I'm not gonna say all of them, but the majority of these games are pretty well play tested. And if something is that broken, yeah. it's going to hopefully come to the attention of either the designer or the publishing team that is making the game. Because, of course, they don't want to put out a broken game. Of course not. Uh, so I would say, yeah, if it feels like something's wrong, um, then it probably just go back and, and learn it. But I think, I think I'm just so excited to teach the game and get to playing the game because I know that a lot of games, there's a big hurdle to be like, okay, here's how you play the game or here's how you win the game. That's usually the first thing you should start with is like, here's how you, here's all the ways that you win the game. And now I'm going to tell you how you do the things to get those conditions to win the game. But I will also say that I will explain four or five rules, big rules. And then the middle one always seems to be lost. It's the sandwich rule. And so people about halfway through, like you didn't say that. And then now the best part is, is like, We've played with enough of the same people. Like, David definitely probably said that, but we just weren't oh, listening. We always caveat it with, or me and the guys were always like, we're sure you said this. But you didn't say but it. But I don't remember. You didn't say it loud enough or make sure I was listening. You didn't put enough emphasis on it. I do. I said, like, I do ask a lot of questions, but there are times when you're telling the rules, I know I look like I'm not listening to you. I'm in my world. I'm just... You're more I'm, of a... I'm a, I'm a hands-on visual. You need to, like, do and it. And I just need to go and play it and just figure it out i'm a big proponent if you can do this is to play like a sample hand and then just reset sometimes that's hard to do because like there's a some games have a ton of player setup and there's a lot mm-hmm. of decision space and like what you start with but even in those games you may want to do that for players so they kind of get like i think of you know it's as simple as agricola agricola you start with a bunch of um occupation cards and like the, again those cards fit together in a certain way and until you've played the game pretty at least once maybe twice then you start to see those strategies clicking and so that's why I'm always saying like the first game is kind of that exploration, like you're kind of feeling out the space mm-hmm. of the game. But to answer the question, if like we get through, like we've played a number of games where we get through three quarters of a game and then we go, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we should be taking from this tile or we should be doing this. And we're like, you know what? We're having fun. Let's just, we both have the same well, equal disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. We both have, have had the same or disadvantage advantage. or advantage. Let's just finish it out and see right. how it goes. And then next time we'll play it. And that's I I don't as a if I was a designer I'd have no problem with that like I, I first of all they all just want you to have fun right that's why I don't necessarily have even this is not this is gonna go on a little tangent I don't necessarily have a problem with like house ruling stuff as long as you're having fun that's I just all that I just don't like well, yeah I just I don't I don't I don't I try you know I play games to win because I want to win but it's not. It is not contingent on me enjoying the experience of the game anymore. I think that may just be because we played so many games. Because I used to be very much like, I need to win. Like, I need to win in order to have some measure of enjoyment out of this. And I'm not like that at all anymore. At least I don't think. I still want to win. Don't get me wrong. I like winning. <laughs> I'm pretty good at winning. Oh, yeah. We Well, most of the games that we play, I'm it's like, we just that played... Really well, we played Wingspan, and I was like, yeah, I think I, I, think I won. It was like 87 to like... 85 with you in second we're always one point yeah so that's one way or the other it's It's so annoying but it makes it frustrating because like i cannot mess up here every choice is important with Alyssa. like i cannot mess up because she will it'll it's a zero-sum game if i don't get these points (laughs) like it's up for grabs right here so excellent i give hot hats off to the people who take the time to read the rule books and teach the game 
Yeah. No, because it's a lot. Like I've started to teach some small. Like I'll do, I'll do this one, this, it's, yeah, and it just stresses me out. Yeah, I'm like, wait, let me take the role. I'm not sure. Like, so I've gotten a lot better at it. I yeah. think I was really, I was just, I wanted to just read the rule book to people, and it's well, like you that's, read rule books for leisure. <laughs> that's how you like. <laughs> that's how I relax. No, it is. I enjoy reading rule books. Like I remember re- <laughs> rereading the Title Blades one, and I was oh like, my oh gosh. man, I, I don't know. I think it's just like a different. Putting together a rule book is a very unique skill because it has to be like it obviously has to be informative, but it has to be laid out in a way that makes sense. I just always find it funny that the, like the first rule in a lot of these rule books is like take the board out and place it on the table. It's like if you need to write that down, like and someone's like doesn't do that, like is the first part of the game, like I don't know if they should be playing this Some game. People are very literal though. They're <laughs> like they never told me to do that. I used to work for for you know, uh, but the listeners now. I used to work for Bose, the speaker manufacturer. I used to work for their retail store and sell like their surround sound systems. And when we st- when I got the job, they had like this big training uh, workshop, and they were doing some troubleshooting because you get customers that call in and say, "I can't get my system to work." You know, can you walk me through it? So you'd have to like troubleshoot this, and they made it like granular. Like for, for one of the things that they did is like you set up everything like bit by bit by bit. And then it's like still not working over the phone and, and the customer didn't plug it into the, into the wall. And I, it's just like, that's what the kind of granular level that oh, they were trying to get. that's a classic, like one of our, one of our really good friends, like he used to work for the cable company Yeah, and he'd go, like the picture's fuzzy, the picture's fuzzy. Oh, yeah. And he'd be, <laughs> so he would go out and he said this happened all the time and he'd go out and like, they still had the film they ha- from On their, their brand new, t- new, TV. new TV. They hadn't p- peeled it off yet. Yeah. They were like complaining to the cable company guy. Like my picture's fuzzy. You just I came mean, over here and fixed it. And we've it all had those fuzzy. moments. Oh, I've done that. So like, I'm not gonna. I was in college. I had a big project due, and I went to go print it and ran out of ink. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh! I go to the printer store. I buy a printer cartridge. At this time, it was like sixty bucks for a printer cartridge. I get home. I'm all upset because I'm a poor college student. I can barely afford this printer cartridge. I put it in. It still doesn't print. I'm pissed. I go all the way back to the, I think it was Office Max. I just immediately lay in the rep. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I have this project due. I cannot be here. I have, I need to get this printed. This is way, this, first of all, this ink is way expensive. What is wrong with you people? And he's like, sir, 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 there's a tag that you need to peel off of the printer card. And I was just so embarrassed. Like, and, I'll just take that. No, I literally here. just grabbed it out of his hands. Like, I'm an idiot. And I walked out <laughs> and he was like, okay. I was just like, you know, you're, you know, when you're. That's whenever I get like that, I always like slow down yeah and like check everything i'm like okay take a take a second just take a second take a second it's okay but i was like i was like so angry but at myself like you are such a fool like of course don't get this angry about some stupid printer cartridge it's not this guy's fault anyways but Mm -hmm. yeah it was just he was like trying to interrupt me like please stop yelling at me i know what your problem is and i'm like no let me finish (laughs) anyway all right well we will peel the the sticker off of this podcast and end it See what I did there? Little fun. Yes. All right. Until next time. Bye. What does the snow monster take when he's six? A chill pill.